Huh? 8-1. Oh, well, listen. It's time to get hot, isn't it? Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. And as for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. The four youths he's talking about are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It changed their names. Now, I don't know which version of Scripture you got, but sometimes the, the names are different. Uh, the original names, anyway. Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, their Hebrew names. So they entered the king's personal service. And as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you, God, for this opportunity to come together to worship you. Lord, we know that uh, in these days with this uh, disease going around that has affected so many people and so many churches, we just ask for your Watch care over this church and this congregation, as well as all the others. We ask you to bless those that have suffered from this illness. Just touch them, heal them, restore their strength and their health. Lord, we uh, will give you thanks for that. We ask, God, that you be with us this morning and show yourself among us strong and powerful through your word. God, let us see how we might better serve you. God, give us the desire to do that very thing. We love you. We thank you for loving us and all your many blessings. We pray, God, you bless us today with wisdom and, God, uh, attention as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 17 in uh, Daniel 1 says, And as for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence on every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. And as for 
every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. <coughs> Excuse me. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. In uh, 1992, the Summer Olympics were held in Barcelona, Spain, and a young man named Derek Redmond, 26-year-old American boy, was favored to win the 400 meter. And we're uh, watching some games on television now. This is swimming and uh, that kind of stuff. It's uh, we know that uh, they, they have different types of events and uh, things like that. But De this Derek was uh, in the 400-meter uh, sprint, really. Uh, I'm, that's, I can't imagine. <laughs> I wouldn't do running four. I wouldn't do good running 400 meters myself, period. I went walking 400 meters, I might make. But on these Olympic tracks, 400 meters is just one one time around. Uh, that it's a pretty good little sprint, and uh, Derek <coughs> fell down with a torn hamstring. Now, most of y'all are familiar with that. Uh, if, uh, that's the big muscle in the back of your leg that runs from your hip down to your knee, or thereabouts, uh, and he. Uh, down on the track and alone, all his hopes and dreams were dashed, shall we say. He struggled to his feet and began to hop on one leg toward the finish line. Determined little rascal, wasn't he? Suddenly rushing through the crowd and security, a man rushed to his side, taking Redmond's arm and placing it around his own shoulder, he helped Redmond finish strongly. The man was Redmond's father, Derek. Uh, it's a touching story, I would imagine. I, I don't remember seeing that, but I would imagine that it was a very uh, heart-wrenching thing to watch. Uh, a lot of times we may feel down and broken ourselves with a sense of hopelessness. Don't you know when that, that hamstring tore and he went to the ground, all of those things that he had trained for and hoped for for years, literally, these guys do this for years. They train for this, sometimes just a single event in the Olympics. All of his hopes were dashed. And... Uh, he was laying there on that track feeling helpless and all alone. And probably saying a few ugly words to God, maybe not ugly words, but blaming God for the things that had happened. Uh, God seemed to be a long way away at that particular moment. We've had those times in our lives when things have happened to us. We just feel like God's not here. Where is he? I need him more than anything right now. Where is he? Don't you know in front of this crowd at the Olympics around that track, him laying there by himself with a torn muscle, felt so desperate. And uh, my goodness, 
suddenly, <laughs> out of nowhere, came his daddy's arm. Folks, we as Christians experience that more than once in our lifetime because we all fall on our face more than one time. And we've got a Father in heaven that loves us enough to step through the crowd and through the security and bend down and grab us and help us up, put our arm around his shoulder and his arm up under ours, our arms, and carries us along to finish the race. Now, I've been at a place in my life a time or two where I thought I just couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't finish the race. But uh, Paul talks about uh, the athletes all the time. Paul must have been uh, a bit of an athlete himself and finishing the, the course and, and so on and so forth. And uh, we need to, to understand that, that the God that we serve and the God we worship is not detached from us. He can come through the crowd. He can come through security. He can come to our aid and our side whenever we need him, and that's what he'll do. And sometimes we don't even have to ask. The boy probably was so proud and knew the rules well enough not to call his daddy down from the stand because it wouldn't do any good. Daddy didn't care. Our Heavenly Father's that way. He doesn't care what people think or what the earthly rules are. He knows what he can do to help us, and that's what he will do. We need to get that in our mind. If we're going to survive in a modern world, we don't need to give up. We need to be persistent. Just keep on keeping on. And I don't like that idea myself. That, that really, I'm, I'm not a runner or any kind of athlete, never have been. The, the closest thing to being an athlete I did was after I got grown was lift weights a little bit. And uh, I could quit that and take a breath every once in a while. <laughs> uh, we uh, need somebody at our side on occasion. God is always there for us. He's not removed from the events of history either. He's actively involved in our world history. He's here among us in our country and on the other side of the earth as well. He's in control. But he expects and desires obedience from us. One thing I can tell you about any athlete, weightlifter, runner, whatever he is, he's disciplined and he has to work at and strive to do better next time than he did this time. He's, he's dedicated to the proposition of making himself a winner. And we need to understand that he's, God is he's with us. And he wants us to be obedient and to be a winner. Uh, we have to make a choice. As his children, we have to make a choice as whether we're going to uh, be a participant with him or if we're going to kick against the traces all the time. Some people, unfortunately, in our churches today that call themselves Christians, kick against the traces. A lot of people say, well, I, I just can't do that, talking about a Christian. Well, I, I know you can't. I can't either, but God can. And if he's in your life, 
He's going to enable you to do what he wants you to do. We can do anything God wants us to do and sets before us. If we will just surrender to him, uh, God is, he's not inactive in all of history and all of the world all the time. Uh, God's the one that's got the reins, if you will. He's got the steering wheel. He's in control. The ship doesn't go anywhere that he doesn't direct it. Now, sometimes I know that sounds hard and terrible because we think Satan's in charge. I want to tell you something. Satan can only guide the ship where there's a crack, where the Lord allows him to direct the ship. Now, ever since Adam and Eve fell in the garden and sinned, God has attempted and has used sinful choices in their lives and all human beings' lives to lead them to repentance and a walk with him straight through the life, through this life. God doesn't leave us alone and deserted. Uh, just because we make a mistake, he doesn't just sit us down in a corner somewhere and walk off. How would it be with our children if we just deserted them or we gave them away to somebody else? And that's, that's what a lot of people think. You know, if they commit sin, if it's bad enough, God's going to give me to the devil. The devil's going to have me. Look, <laughs> there's not a, anybody alive that's ever sinned and fallen into the devil's sway that God couldn't get back. The devil's not stronger than our God. Anyway, uh, our life, we need to decide, is, is made up of making choices. We choose between the devil and God every day that we live. Uh, Daniel for the most part, made the right choices. And because he did, God gave him protection and wisdom and influence. Now, as a Christian, he protected him. As a godly man, let's put it that way, God protected him. Uh, and as a, a godly man... In God's service, in God's business, God gave him wisdom. Now, we use a lot of excuses for a lot of things, but we can't use we ain't got. If we're a Christian, we can't use we hadn't got as an excuse because God's got it out there for us if we'll just reach out and take it. God also gave him influence. Uh, he protected him in a, in a horrible environment, a pagan world called Babylon. Now, folks, you get your history book sometime and read about Babylon. <laughs> that was, whew. That, you know, old Nebuchadnezzar, he was not a, a very nice guy. He was a pagan king, and anything went in their uh, kingdom. Uh, he uh, had an agenda to conquer the world and was well about doing it. And there was... There were these boys that fell into his court that uh, by any other 
mind or mindset, these boys would have been probably put to death if they had refused to do what Nebuchadnezzar said. Uh, but he, uh, he protected, God protected uh, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He watched over his own. That's what he does for us. God watches over us where he is, and he watches over us. Now, sometimes I know it may seem like uh, he doesn't. And he won't holler, Lord, where are you? I need you right now. Where are you? And uh, sometimes we have to wait a minute or, or something like that. Uh, but God never forsakes us and he never leaves us. He's always there as our protection. Uh, we are not thrown to the wolves, so to speak, after we get saved just to do anything to, uh, that uh, the world can to us. God watched over them just as he watches over us. Uh, God gave them wisdom. These guys were in a very intellectual setting in Nebuchadnezzar's uh, court. And uh, all of these guys were given a great deal of wisdom. They were smart, uh, not only in the ways of the world, but in the ways of the kingdom. And uh, Daniel even had dreams. <laughs> you remember in Scripture, if you've read about Daniel, uh, Daniel had dreams and visions when he was awake, dreams when he was asleep. I don't know uh, if um, I've had any visions, but sometimes I've had dreams that woke me up. <laughs> um, but he, Daniel was a wise man, and he applied himself to being of service to the king. He applied himself uh, to do all of the things that would make him better and a wiser man. Daniel prepared himself to be a servant. First of all, to God. Look, in the world today in which we live, if we make up our mind to begin with that we're going to be servants of God, and we're not going to do anything else, but we'll be servants of everybody else if it falls in the parameters of being servant to God. If we would learn to do that, we'd be a lot better off. Because I don't care. If, if you're a good person and, and your employer likes you, or I'll just use that for an example, and you have a, a Christmas party with a lot of uh, drinking and rebel rousing and carrying on and you don't take part in that your boss asks you why tell him well I'm Christian I just don't do all those things it's one thing to associate be there when all that's going on it's another thing to participate people you may not know it appreciate you and your conviction if you do not participate just because you're there and everybody else is doing it doesn't mean you should get involved and do it. We don't want our children to do that. How many times have you told your children, just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean you do it? How many times? Over and over and over again. How many times does God have to tell us, just because the world's doing it, 
doesn't mean you do it. We might not like to hear that, but that's, that's a loving, faithful daddy telling us that is what that is. Daniel uh, applied himself to being what God wanted him to be, and he prepared himself through study and, and uh, work, and God blessed him in his efforts, even as even in captivity, even being a prisoner, if you will. And uh, the scripture says, as far as their wisdom was concerned, they were ten times better, ten times better than the best of all of those that were their peers working in the court of Nebuchadnezzar. God raised up their peers. God raised them above their peers and caused them to be great in, in their influence. He did give them that influence too. Um, they were chosen by the king personally to be members of his court and advisors to him. Now, keep in mind, all of these people that they captured from these other places, they brought uh, to Babylon and they sent them to school and tried to educate them and train them up so they would be fitting to serve in the king's court. And before they got to go to the king's court and serve, the king got to interview them. Can you imagine that? It'd be like going to the president for the interview to see if you could go to work, you know, in, in his cabinet. And uh, <laughs> they were so good and so smart that Nebuchadnezzar chose them to serve in his personal entourage. Well, that's tall cotton. They were some of his closest advisors. Uh, they had great influence in the country. And they served Babylon for over 70 years. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, Daniel had a role in Cyrus's decree to allow Jews to return to Judea. Nobody would have thought that could have ever happened, but he let the Jews go home, some of them. Uh, what, a, what a deal. Great thing for him to be in that place. Daniel had a role in... Nehemiah's being allowed to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. Now, you don't think that's a big thing. Rebuilding defenses anywhere <laughs> uh, to that size and strength was something else. Daniel had a role in Ezra's going back to Jerusalem to reestablish the book of the law. Hey, <laughs> not only did we build it, a physical concrete wall that we could see and touch, but we built a spiritual wall around God's people. We reestablished God's law in the land. Daniel had a role, no doubt, in the transmission of God's promise to, of a Messiah that led the Magi from the east to Judea. Now, he's talking about there, of course, uh, the... The, the use of words and, and the influence of, of uh, their position uh, and their promise that they knew about of this Messiah, uh, they, they got to transmit the message to the people because 
of Daniel's influence and power. Daniel was second in the kingdom as far as his power was concerned. God used faithful men and still uses faithful men and women uh, to influence the pagan world to do or not to do things that ought to be done or ought not to be done. Um, God uses us, his people, so that the world might see who he is and how much he loves us and cares for us. Just like the boy's daddy that came down out of the stand and he had a blown out muscle in his leg and the daddy helped him up and helped him finish the race. Folks, we can't run the race by ourselves in this life. It's too difficult and we ain't got enough sense. We don't have enough spiritual strength. We can't do it. But God came down out of the stands in the form of Jesus Christ to pick us up, lift us up, and carry us to the finish line. When that finish line gets here, we're going home to see Jesus. That's what the finish line is all about. It's going home to be with God himself. Uh, because Daniel and these three other men didn't give out, but persisted for the long haul. God granted them this protection, this wisdom, and this influence. They didn't give up. They didn't quit. And Daniel, as he continued, it's like if we continue, not giving in, not giving up, or giving out, but remaining strong and consistent and persistent, God's going to bless us just like he did them with that uh, protection and that wisdom and that influence in the world. We can have influence in the world as Christians if we'll live like Christians, if we'll act like Christians, if we'll do the things that God wants us to do, uh, he'll give us that protection. When we're faithful to his word and be obedient to him, he's going to bless us. When we stand true to his word, and live uncompromising lives. Don't take part in sin when given a chance. When we're faithful to Him, when we resist temptation, when we're consistent in what we know we need to do and live as a Christian, uh, when we're persistent, keep on keeping on. Don't just, don't just do a 100-yard dash and go to the barn. Look, we're in this for the marathon. Now, look at me. I'm a fat boy and never liked to run. They were doing good in high school getting me to do 100 yards. That was the best that I could turn out. When we did our PTs, physical therapy, uh, <laughs> physical therapy, when we did our test, physical test, you know, every all of us at one point in time back in my day had to do a group of tests. We had to run 600 yards. We had to run 100-yard dash. And we had to do so many sit-ups, so many push-ups, and all that kind of stuff. See how many we could do. And they recorded that from one term to the next. And every term, it seemed like we had to do these things. Well, look, when we're faithful to God, we're going to be good at this stuff. 
we'll be able to do those things that God wants us to do because we're accustomed to working for him from one age to the next if we want to survive in a modern world. And this is a modern-day Babylon today, in case you haven't looked around. And you want God's protection. You want his wisdom. You want to have the influence that men of old had. We'll give up the things of the world and reach out and take Jesus by the hand and follow him and live for him. Be persistent in our walk with God and we can have these many blessings. The question is, church, preacher, how well are we doing? How well are we doing? Let's stand together and have a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed this morning. Unless y'all want me to go back. It's 10 minutes till 12 now. I got a few more minutes. I, uh, my wife's shaking her head, but I guess she wants to go anyway. Now let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for the opportunity we have to come together. God, join our hearts uh, with yours in our worship and appreciation of our Savior. We just thank you so much for sending your Son to die in our place, to take the punishment that we so deserve, and uh, God giving us eternal life instead. We thank you for loving us that much, and we pray, God, that as we'd give our lives to you, that you would give us the influence over others and that you would protect us and keep us safe as we live for you. God, we just pray your blessings on this church and all of our members. God, lift us up and make us a strong light in this community for you. We'll give you the glory for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen.